How's it going, everyone? Today, we are fortunate to have the incredible Mark Barrow join the Spirit Talk podcast. Um, if you're fans of wrestling like myself, I started following uh, Mark's career back in WWE when he's Intercontinental Champion and then WCW with the, I'm going to say iconic Johnny B. Good character, Johnny B. Bad. And, and I want to talk about that, but you're also the founder of Champions of Choices, an incredible motivational speaker, an author, and the work you do for children, uh, whether it's with suicide or anti-bullying or uh, the impact of drugs and alcohol on someone's life. It's just, it's amazing to see you have this great sport career, but it's almost like your, your purpose is to do what you're doing now, which is, it's just incredible. Uh, thanks for having me on your show today, man. I'm looking forward to, you know, discussing this and, and, you know, just being kind of an open book about what's, what's going on with, with our youth today, with our country, uh, with our lives, you know, it's, uh, I think there's no greater joy than helping another person. So hopefully this, this podcast will help a lot of people. I love that. So just kind of jump into 2020, I think was a wash in terms of scheduling and all sorts of what we're used to. And one of the things that where I found to really appreciate what you do is when you go to these schools to talk to kids and you share these emotional videos of parents of, of kids that are dealing with loss or suicidal thoughts, but that kind of went away because of COVID. And now you had a whole other issue on your hand where kids that are at home that are dealing with now abuse possibly or drug use or the fear of not seeing their friends. Can you kind of, touch upon how this the year 2020 affected your mindset um, going forward. You know, our, our last live event was March 12th of 2020. And then after that, everything canceled. Now this is going from a guy that's averaging 230 events a year for the last 14 years, but on the road all the time and all of a sudden it completely stops. So obviously we got to bounce back, reinvent yourself. Um, and we started doing virtual events now, obviously, I love being there in person to meet students after the presentation and talk with them, but we're getting more and more letters than we've ever, ever received now from students that are going through isolation, loneliness, depression, anxiety, um, you know, even being bullied online more. Right. Um, and now we're seeing so many kids that just feel like there's no hope. And, and the suicide rate is the absolute highest it's ever been. And, um, you know, I got parents reaching out to me all the time and, we're, we're trying to do as much as possible to help these kids. And, and, and I believe we are. I mean, we're doing what we can do. Um, I, I got to say, the thing I really noticed that, that needs to happen is we see all this money going out for stimulus and everything else. But the thing that they're lacking is in schools, we have like a counselor that can, you know, help us with classes right. or what we're going to. But we need mental health specialists at our schools. Until we start having mental health specialists, not one for a whole school district. I'm talking about every school should have mental health specialists that help these kids navigate the, the things that they're going through, the relevant issues that they're dealing with today, and especially with the depression, the isolation from this, this, this uh, COVID. How did you, when you first started this, and it's interesting that here you are on the road and back at wrestling, you guys were always on the road. So you kind of carried over that kind of working mentality. But when you first started doing this stuff, talking to these kids in these schools, was it, a, was it a lot of extra weight baggage you, you had to carry? Like, how did you process all these stories you hear and not take them to you to the next school? You know, it's amazing that you asked that is a lot of people don't realize that the heartache that you take on by dealing with 
uh, you know, student after student with the, with the depression or anxiety or suicidal thoughts that you're trying to keep just hanging on for another minute, another hour, another day. Um, it does, it does weigh on you a lot. I'm going to be totally honest. You know, I, I went through a divorce, um, a little over a year and a half ago, never in my life thought I'd get divorced, but, uh, you know, went through that and, um, just being on the road all the time and dealing with a lot of, um, taking on a lot of pain, I guess, you know, but, um, I, I realized my calling in life, you know, I, unfortunately I, I lost many family members. I lost my little brother and sister died at 21. My, my mom died at 58. My dad died while I was holding him in my arms and losing so many friends and family members has really gave me the appreciation for life and not wanting other people to go through pain maybe that I went through, especially with drug addiction or depression and, and anxiety and things that suicidal thoughts, you know, stuff that I went through that I can relate to what other people go through. But, but man, somehow surviving all these, weaving my way through the ups and downs in life and getting to where I'm at now, you know, a, a beautiful place that, you know, like I said, there's no greater joy than helping another person. You obviously, you share your, your thoughts and feelings of the issues you go through, whether it's divorce or the past drug use. And so that must be a comfort to these kids or even the parents who are looking for someone to be like, hey, don't be afraid of your failures. Don't be afraid of what you've succumbed to. You could, you could be better tomorrow morning. And so how is, is, do you feel that you have to, when, you're, when you have a bad day, Mark Barrow, how does, how do you kind of get out of that funk to carry on? You know, uh, it, it's, it's amazing that you, you asked that, um, you know, we all have good days and bad days. You right. know? Well, I got to tell you, Mike, I, I guess you would say, I couldn't say it was a whole bad day because I, I really count my blessings in life. I am, I, I just think of all the great things that I have there. And there's always someone else out there that are surviving are struggling to survive. And I think about, I got a beautiful home. I got a roof over my head. I got food. I got everything that I could ever imagine in life. So when something bad happens, sure, you're, you're, you're a little disappointed, maybe depressed for a little while, but then man, I snap. I seem to snap out of it very quickly now. And it often comes by, by helping someone else. I'm in the, uh, the entertainment industry where I do security for bands and celebrities. And obviously the last year, affected that and one of the things i noticed is that there are a lot of people that would post these are good friends or people i don't really associate with but i know them and they're very negative they're very down on themselves and i have found that like you said perfectly i have i can have bad days whether it's mental physical caring for a sick parent or an issue with a friend that's really sick or needs help but the the minute i kind of feel where i'm like oh man this is this day sucks i'm like you know what I could be a 10-year-old girl or kid or whatever and Dana Farber dying of cancer right now and they have the exact opposite mindset I have right now. So for me to kind of process that, I kind of woke it up to the idea of, yeah, it's okay to have a bad day on paper, but your day is not that bad. Yeah. You know, I just lost a friend to COVID the other day and he left behind three little kids. That's sad. My friend was on a ventilator, you know, while I'm able to, you know, travel or go do the things that I love doing in life. And I'm going to let something, you know, negative affect my whole day. And here's this person just struggling to survive. So I, I can put it in a different perspective very quickly in my life. And, um, and I hope to bring that to other people. And sometimes when, you know, we often, 
uh, take for granted the very things in life we should appreciate. And many times it's the, the love of our family and, and, and close friends and people that we really cherish. It's, yeah, and I hate harping about it, but I always get thinking too, like you've shared a video, well, it's probably one of your first ones about, you talking about your parents and your mom and it's so emotional and I didn't, and I don't know you in that sense where here's someone I watched wrestling or I know about his boxing or all this other stuff, but it's like, here's a guy that just like me has parents that unfortunately my parents are both alive, but I'd see come to a point where they get older or sick and I'm going to be this guy and I'm going to be an emotional wreck. And how do I act like a Mark Barrow where I can process this and use it to help others? It's just, whenever you, whenever you started putting that stuff out there, your relationships, your family and loved ones, it, was it tough to make it that personal for you to show other people? You know, it's, it's, it's strange because every time, you know, doing now thousands of presentations around the world, um, you know, I often see many, many people in the audience crying, uh, openly weeping. And um, that seems to get to me more than me right. telling my story. But see, the reason why the story is so authentic is because I actually go back in time while I'm telling the story. And I actually picture me walking up to her casket and looking down and seeing her for the first time. And it brings back this uh, a raw emotional, um, um, just sadness or emotion right. that that people can really relate to. And like you said, you know, I can't imagine, you know, losing your parents, you know? And I think the thing that really helps me to overcome or get by it, because there's nothing wrong with mourning and some people have to mourn longer than others. Um, but, you know, there's a time where you got to get on with your life. And you often, I often think back about what, what would my parents think if they just saw me depressed all the time? They'd be like, right. Mark, get your butt up and get out there, you know? So, and I, first of all, I know that, from beyond they're they're very proud of of me and my accomplishments and, and helping other people i i became the man my mom always prayed i would be <laughs> right so knowing that it really helps me to move on in life and and knowing we're all going to lose a loved one all of us i mean that's the circle of life unfortunately that's the way it goes but um it's to move on from that and to know that your parents or loved ones would never want you to constantly be depressed or constantly mourning and to move on and get on with life enjoy life live a victorious life right and would you if I don't know if you usually get asked this question, but I'm kind of curious when you go to a different school and say it's, it's a Christian school or a Jewish school, or this is a, a group of kids that are atheist. Is it tough for you to put, like, what if someone comes up to you and they're like, well, I don't I, like, why do I pray? Or do you ever come across where religion could interfere in getting this message across for you? Well, you know, I, when I talk at a, a Christian school, obviously I could share my faith. Correct. I spoke to Jewish schools where, where um, you know, I, I can talk about God, but, you know, they have a little different take. Obviously, Jewish is much different than Christian. Right. And um, but when I talk in a public school, we don't share anything about religions because you can't. And if you do, you will not be able to go to other right. schools because it would stop it right there. So you got to weigh that, you know, on your presentation. But, you know, um, certain schools will want me to talk more about bullying or, or depression. Or when I speak to um, soldiers, they want me to talk about suicide prevention. Uh, so there's different topics that we can we can go to. But uh, when I when I speak at churches, I, I, I love it because I can really share my faith and what what really changed my life. 
when you talk to those, these different groups, do you have to prepare mentally, say it is veterans with PTSD or uh, a Christian school or uh, mothers against drunk driving or something like this, where it's like, do you prepare yourself differently in terms of mindset leading into this? You know what? I mean, obviously um, pain is pain and, and right. it's just people process it differently, you know, from uh, mothers against drunk driver to Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever, whatever it could be. You're, you're talking to people that have gone through pain or addiction in life. And, and I can, I can understand it. I, I mean, it's, it's part of my, it's part of my, my story, you know, through our struggles, we find our strength. And that's my message that I, I try to get across people is that, you know, we're, we all go through this. Every one of us has gone through something that has forever changed their life. But did it change it for the better or did it change it for the worse? We can take these tragedies and turn them into triumphs, you know, by helping other people. When you're very open and candid about your past drug use and painkillers and stuff, especially being on the road with or the, the wrestling. But where did what was the event that kind of set you on this path to do what you're doing now when it came to the speaking about, hey, drugs are bad? Well, it was 2003 where I, I got to the point where depression and losing family members, going through a divorce, um, all the, it was like the perfect storm in my life. Right. Uh, the financial, the, the, the housing, everything that was could go wrong went wrong in my life. And I, I just remember that I didn't want to be here anymore. And I, I retrieved my handgun. I was ready just to end it all. Wow. If it wasn't for me, just falling to my knees and asking God to change my life, to give me a purpose, give me hope. And um, it was at that point, 2003. So it's 18 years. I've never touched a drug in 18 years, which awesome. what a blessing and, and, and not even going through rehab and, and not, not that the police don't get this wrong. I mean, I, I commend people that go through rehab or 100%, or, you know, or whatever it is that, that, that that's needed. And it's such a blessing to see these people overcome addiction. Mine was a spiritual awakening in my life. And I knew that God gave me a second chance. And I mean, I've overdosed on drugs on three occasions where I should be dead. And getting this second chance, I, I, I realized that if I even touch a drug, I, I believe I would die. I do. I, I just believe that in my heart that that would be the end of Mark Camaro. And I don't want to leave that as my legacy. You know, I don't want my legacy to be, you know, a dying of drug overdose or, or how much money I made or how big my right. house was or what kind of cars I drove. My, I want my legacy to be the difference I was able to make in someone else's life. That someone to hear my name and go, man, that guy changed my life or his story really helped me or inspired me. That's that's what I want my legacy to be. I know you're, uh, you do workouts, you're good friends with David Dallas Page, but it's so interesting to me to see someone like yourself with what you're doing where David Dallas Page was, they're, they're, you're becoming bigger than wrestling. I guess, I guess it's kind of what you just mentioned where it's like your legacy is you're still building this incredible legacy. And for you to, you guys, yourself and David and others to go out there and do this other higher calling, it's pretty powerful stuff. You know, uh, DDP and I are very close friends and uh, we, we have a lot of fun together because <laughs> <laughs> like we, we out inspire each other. <laughs> 
we have a lot. We really do have a great, great time. And it's so funny when you look at our careers. You know, I, I started wrestling when I was 30. I signed my first contract at 31 years old. He didn't start till he was 35. I won rookie of the year. He won rookie of the year. I won most improved wrestler. He won most improved wrestler. Then after wrestling, he takes his DDP uh, yoga to a level that's helping so many people. Yeah. See lives changing lives i took my school program took it all over the world and so we both uh are just living i don't know if you call it a dream or call it just the joy we found in our lives we both love helping other people and um so i actually moved close to him now i just moved to atlanta about uh, uh three months ago love and, it so I'm real close to him. So we've, we've been doing some of the DDP yoga together and, and having some fun, but you know, it's cool just to be able to call him up or text him or see him whenever, whenever I'm around or he's around, you know, which is really great. When you get around other wrestlers that you've wrestled with or your, your contemporaries and stuff like that, is there ever a sense of, or has, has it ever happened where that a wrestler would be like, Hey, I got a kid, a daughter or son that's going through some issues. Like, could you talk to them? Like, do you still have those relationships with your people you've wrestled with or gone against where they're like, Hey, Mark, could you help me out here? Like, because they know you were on the road with them. They went through the same pratfalls, but you have a way, whether it's your voice or your, your vision to build this, this, this idea that you could help others. Like, is that ever happened? You know, it's, it's amazing. This has happened so many times and it's not happened so much that, uh, uh, someone I wrestled with called me or something and said, I've spoken in so many schools that oh. I hear from them after they go, oh my God, you changed my son or daughter's life. They can't stop talking about you, you know? Uh, so that, that has been cool. But I have been asked personally to um, talk on the phone or call or, or see uh, one of the one of the guys that I wrestle with, you know, son or daughter. Um, just recently, just last week, um, Brad Armstrong, who passed awesome. on in 2012, um, his wife and daughter came over to my house to meet me. And, you know, she was only 11 years old when, when her dad passed on, but I got to share stories about her dad that just, it put the biggest smile on her face. And she even wrote to me, she said, I'm so glad to hear those stories about my dad because Brad was a great guy. He was a, a, a locker room co comedian, you know, he was, people loved being around him. He was always upbeat. He was always helping people. And he was the guy, when I first got into wrestling, I was very green. I didn't really know the difference between a, a, a wrist watch and a wrist lock. You know? so, <laughs> and Brad, they put, they, unfortunately, Brad had to be the guy that goes on the road with me to teach me how to wrestle. But uh, he he was just a so much fun and, and, and a great guy. And so I got to share stories with, with her about her dad and, that was really a lot of some I always remember. You have this, I would say, probably a really great boxing background. And so when you were doing the boxing in New York State and everything, you, then you, you said you'd go to wrestling at the age of 30. And when you start training under the Blinko family, like, is it tough to transition from that type of fighter, fighter, athlete to, yeah, you're still athletes, but it's a little bit different here. Like you must have had a couple of instances where you threw a stray punch or something, something like that. Well, I, I got to tell you, a, kind of a funny story was that Arn Anderson was another guy I loved to wrestle. He was he, he is really one of the most underrated and probably one of the one of the top five guys I've ever. Yes, you know, he's just that good. You know, we were um, wrestling in in a I don't think it might have been one of the pay per views or something, but. Um, our referee was, was um, Nick Anderson. And 
um, we, we, Nick separates us or something. I had him in the corner and I was sitting with some shots and Nick, you know, separates some, us. And, uh, he's and, and a lot of times in wrestling, the referee gives you instructions, which helps you get through the match, you know? Right. And Nick said to me, he said, Arn told me to tell you, hit him as hard as you can in the face. And I thought, what? And, and she, he goes, then, she, then he goes, cause he told me to tell you your working punch is killing him. <laughs> so in other words, the punch that I was supposed to be pulling is going to kill him. So I love that. And get it over with. Anyways, it was just, uh, he had that sense of humor and man, I learned a lot from Arne Anderson. I, I can't say enough good things about him. And um, one of the best storytellers too, fun guy in the locker room, man, he was, he could tell a story and, and have the straightest face. that could be the funniest thing you've ever heard. I love that. Now I mentioned before, but, I actually learned about Johnny B. Good after seeing your portrayal of Johnny B. Bad. So how does that kind of come about where you get this, who writes that character for you? How do you make that character as good as it was? Like, I don't think anyone else could have really carried that character like you did. Um, you know, it was, it was a brainchild of Dusty Rhodes, who, when he first saw me, said, told me I looked like Little Richard. And he had a gimmick for me. And, but when he, when he told me that the name was precious that was the name he had wow. for this precious i was like oh man i i don't like that name you know i would call precious you know so i went back and and looked on you know songs from the 50s you know the yep. little richard and of course there was a, that song johnny be good it wasn't a little richard song but there was a song johnny be good so i thought well cool was i, mean, I knew it was gonna be a bad, bad guy to start with so why not be johnny be bad and use b-a-double-d which i got from diamond dallas page and that's where the name came from as, as the wrestler, Johnny B. Bad. And um, I liked that a heck of a lot. And I remember telling Dusty when I said, hey, Dust, you know, do you mind if I use a different name than Precious? And he goes, what you got? And I go, what do you think of Johnny B. Bad? He goes, he looks up and he goes, I like it. <laughs> and I think, thank you, Lord. <laughs> you were uh, fortunate to have a, WWE, WF, uh, WCW, TNA. It, when people are jumping ship like that, is there, I assume the brotherhood or sisterhood is still, not about jumping ship. I mean, you just go, you just, everyone, I get it. But is there, that brotherhood, sisterhood, is that always there? Or does the company you work for kind of manufacture this? Oh, you got to be Team WWE. You got to be WCW. Like, how does that, how do you guys kind of filter through that kind of like garbage? You know, the boys are the boys. You know, it's funny because when you say that that brotherhood, I think it's stronger now than ever. It's like guys that maybe I didn't talk too much or weren't very close to when I wrestled are now like when you see them, you hug them. It's like the, the, the memories and the, the something you experience together. I'll give you an example. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin was probably one of the one of the best guys I've ever worked with. I mean, just he was phenomenal. You know, I love working with him because we always had really good matches and he was a great ring general. And, um, but I was never close to him. I've never, you know, we never were, never shared a ride or never, you know, didn't say much to each other, but always had good matches and respected each other, you know. And it was, it was after wrestling that I was asked to do his podcast. And we did, I did his podcast. And, and after the podcast, we probably stayed on the phone for, man, 45 minutes to an hour just reminiscing, talking about life, you know? And I thought, right. what a great guy, you know? What a, 
and I mean, he's so proud of what I do. And, and uh, we just had a great conversation. And, and it's like, you know, when I, when I see him again or talk to him again, it's going to be nothing but love, man, you know? And, and it comes from that, 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 uh, you know, I don't know that, that uh, camaraderie that you've always had, and maybe they didn't even realize how strong it was, but anytime I go to these wrestling reunions or wrestle cons or something where I'm doing an autograph signing and there's other, all the other wrestlers there, it's like, man, I love going from table to table and, and seeing everybody and everybody's hugging and shaking hands. And, you know, it's almost like people just bury the hatchet, man. And there, you know, maybe some hold grudges, which is foolish because can't live your life with bitterness, resentment, anger, or unforgiveness. You just can't. When a wrestler passes, um, and I'm referring to someone like in my head, I remember growing up, and I'm like, when the wrestler Tess passed away, I'm kind of like, I didn't under, I mean, you know, I understood death, obviously, and I didn't understand like the drug use and stuff like that. So when, when individuals die like that, does it make you kind of wonder why you came to the crossroads you did and how they were helped or saved? Like that must wear on you just a little bit. Well, there's certain guys that obviously you're closer with than, than others that pass on. And some guys you don't even know that well, but we're in the business with you at the same time. Uh, but there were some that really hit you hard. I mean, gosh, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, Brian Pillman is one guy I've had one oh, of my- yeah matches within fall brawl. I mean, just a phenomenal match with that guy. And, um, you know, here he is, we're doing a pay-per-view and, and he was found dead in his hotel room and it just affected all of us in a, like, wow. I mean, that could happen to any one of us. And, and Eddie Guerrero, one of the yeah. favorite people ever in wrestling. He loved Eddie Guerrero. I mean, he used to come and he'd pray with me before the matches, you know, just, just a shock, you know, when, when he passed on and, and I don't know, it just really, it does affect you. And you, you often look up and say, why not me? Why didn't I right. die? You know, and, and, and now I realize how close I was to death, you know, on those, on those occasions where I was overdosed and where, you know, all this never would have happened. You know, all the schools, all the people we, we've helped or changed or even saved never would have happened if, if, you know, God took me home early, I guess. Now you're you've been accustomed to large crowds from Massesburg and think of the biggest crowds. Do you still or what is the rush you get now? Is it walking out on the auditorium floor and seeing these kids? Like is it like how is it the same type of rush or is this a better rush? Well, I <laughs> the good news is I've wrestled for the eighty thousand people, the element right. dome. And the good news is I still get to go out there and entertain people, but no one's hit me over the head with a chair anymore. That's yeah, true. <laughs> but, but you know, it's it's funny because um, it when I first started doing schools, uh, high school, middle school kids are the toughest critics in the world. Okay, so right, it, I was more nervous walking out to a high school auditorium than I was walking out to eighty thousand people at the Alamo Dome. You know, um, it was. Uh, but now it's it's so much fun. I, I think you know what's so cool now is so many of the students that know I'm coming to their school. Because um, they have signed releases that the parents have to, you know, sign those school signs. Yep. When a speaker comes in, and many will look me up, or or they've already seen my my um, YouTube videos, so they're always really excited. So the reception I get now is is really cool. It's a uh, it's always fun now. I mean, there's a there's a nervousness, but the excitement is even more for me now. And and I I, I tell you. I never call in a match, so to speak, you know, I mean, when I, I go out there and speak to these kids, I give it my all. 
I, I really dig deep down deep knowing I can make a difference in their lives. And, and uh, I think the kids see that. They see that um, they can ask me any questions. We have questions and answers at the end. And woof, man, you wouldn't believe right. some questions that, that students will ask you and be very honest about what they're going through and, and even thanking you in front of their whole school for changing or even one student, you know, well, I should say this many times have said, you, I believe you saved my life today. And the whole crowd will start clapping for that person. It's I love that. It's got to be very interesting where there, these children's parents, they grew up watching you or fans of you, but here you are now affecting their, their kids. It's like, it's just, again, man, I just can't stress enough how cool it is to see you doing what you do and just helping and affecting all these different generations of people. It's just very, it's very empowering. Well, I'd say, I, I don't know if, if you call it find, finding my calling in life, you know, I mean, when I, when I'm on my deathbed, I look back on my life, this will be the greatest times I've ever had was able to, um, you know, go to schools and make a difference or churches or corporations or wherever it was. I, I even spoke to the FBI convention, you know, 25 wow, awesome. FBI agents, you know, and inspiring them and seeing the emotion involved in that presentation was incredible. Now, before I let you go, Mark, where can people kind of find you on uh, social media, um, Chambers well, of Choices, the website, stuff like yeah. that? Yeah. First of all, you know, our website is thinkpaws, which is P-O-Z dot org. Or you can go to YouTube and just type in the Mark Merrill on YouTube. And uh, if you go to Facebook, it's Mark Merrill page. It's Mark Merrill's already been taken. So I have to use all these other things, you know. So Mark Merrill page on, on, on Facebook and then um, at Mark Merrill on Instagram and Twitter. And Mark is with a C, M-A-R-C-M-E-R-O. And I'd love to hear from someone that, that heard us on your show. So please, if you do write to me or, or reach out to me, tell, tell me you heard me on this show, okay? Awesome. Mark, thank you. Be safe and uh, continue doing uh, your incredible work and saving lives. And uh, it means the world to me that you jumped on here today. Uh, thank you for having me. And God bless you. And God bless your, your listeners. Bye-bye. Thank you, Mark. How's it going, everyone? John here, the host of Spear Talk. You might not know this, but before I record an episode, I like to break a sweat. And I do that using the chocolate. Over the course of the past year, the chocolate has allowed me to lose weight, tone up my body, and feel even more amazing about myself. A feeling that you should all feel about yourself as well. If you use this code, SPEARCHOP10, you get $10 off your order. Once again, use code SPEARCHOP10 for $10 off your chocolate order. It'll change your life. Thank you. Did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty 
from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca.